Bibles, we're going to be back in the book of 1 Timothy tonight. Uh, we've been studying in uh, down through 1 Timothy. We're in chapter 2 now. We're going to read down about verse 8. Uh, the first eight verses of 1 Timothy chapter 2 has to do a lot with prayer. Uh, and, and Paul really stressed this in verse 1 to Timothy whenever he told him that, that you should pray always for all men. First of all. And we understand that prayer is important. We understand that prayer matters. Uh, and tonight we're going to go through uh, just a little bit about not necessarily how to pray, but what needs to be in order for us to pray. Because if you're a Bible-believing Christian and you've lived a little bit of life, you've probably had days where your prayers hit the ceiling. If there's something not right between me and God, then my prayers don't always come from the heart. If if I'm praying, if I'm praying amiss, if I'm praying and I'm not in the shape spiritually that I'm supposed to be in, then my prayer is not going to be effective. It's not that God won't hear it. It's not that God's not paying attention. We know that our, our God don't take vacations. But the, the spiritual shape of our, our, our life does, can, and will affect our prayer life. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, Paul said, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath and doubting. And whenever he says, I will, that, that, that kind of means, and that's the language they use, that means that I hope, I pray, uh, I wish you would, I command you to, please do this. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere. Now this can be taken in two different directions. He could be talking about men everywhere praying. He could be talking about you and me praying everywhere. I think it goes both ways. I think that you and me and everyone else should pray not only in this church, but everywhere. If we only talk to God whenever we come to church, our relationship is lacking. If we only allow Him to talk to us whenever we come to church, our relationship is lacking. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, the first reference to prayer in the Bible, it began early. It began in the beginning. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. And we understand that somehow or another, and, and Seth is the, the son of Adam and Eve, and so he come from the first couple to the first man and wife. And, and so from this point right here, the first time prayer is mentioned, from this point, from this person, from this instant to Noah, we understand that somebody somewhere was always praying because Noah would not have found grace in the eyes of the Lord if that was not the case. Noah had a relationship with God. And it started with Enos. It started with Seth's son. It started in Genesis chapter 4 when man, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. And tonight we're going to go through to begin with a few conditions, a few things that it takes in order for us to have a successful prayer life. And especially if we want to have an, if, an effective life as a Christian. We understand that, that prayer is important and Brother Darren said, Monday, he said, we'll miss a lot of things. 
But I think the things that we'll miss the most is the prayers. And that's the truth because we know prayer prayer works. We know it has an impact. We know it makes a difference. And we know, and, and several have mentioned it here when I was laid up, when I was sick, when I was when something was wrong with my family, I knew the church was praying for me. Because it makes a difference. It goes a long way. The first thing, and we find it in Second Chronicles chapter number 7. And it's a very, very often quoted verse. It finds itself on church signs all over the country. It finds itself on walls and on plaques and especially on Facebook pages. But it's a little bit deeper than what it shows up on a computer. It says, 1 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear, heal their land. Now, this offers a lot of conditions for a successful prayer, but the first of which is contrition. It's a repentant heart. The first thing the writer says, the first thing that God says, if my people shall humble themselves. If I got it, and I know I got it, and I'm just praying to be heard, if I'm just praying out of repetition, if I'm just praying out of habit, if I'm just praying to make the person next to me feel better, my prayer's hitting the ceiling. It's stopping this sheetrock. It don't scratch the paint. In order to pray, we, we must humble ourselves. We must understand that, how to put it in layman's terms, we ain't nothing. We can't do nothing. We can't fix nothing. It all belongs to God. It's all controlled by Him. It's, it's all done by Him. Our next breath comes from Him. Our next step comes from Him. Our next opportunity to witness comes from Him. And until we understand that, until we humble ourselves, it's going to be very, 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 very difficult for us to be used of Him. Prayer life goes right, right along with living a healthy spiritual life. The second we find in Jeremiah chapter number 29. We also find in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. His wholeheartedness. 2 Chronicles says, If my people shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Whenever a person turns, whenever a person changes their mind, whenever they make a 180 degree twist, whenever they change their life, most of the time it's for a purpose. It's because something happened. I had a very good friend of mine. He was in his 50s and he was very overweight and he went to the doctor. He he was a healthy man. He was just heavy. And he went to the doctor and the doctor said, if you want to see 60, if you want to see grandkids, he said, you'll lose 100 pounds really quick. He had a lot of health problems. And that right there flipped a switch, and, and he changed his life. He lost 100 pounds. He eats healthy. He rides a bicycle 10 or 12 miles to work every day. I mean, changed his life forever. One moment, one minute, changed it. And, and a change is not something that – a change is not mine and yours New Year's resolution to eat better. And then we get a little Debbie before February. That's, that's not a change. That's a, that's a maybe. That's an almost Whenever, whenever God said, if my people shall turn from their wicked ways, he meant that to, to be repentance. He meant that to be a change within us. Not something that's maybe, not something that's almost, but something that is wholeheartedly. Something that we do with, with all of our hearts. Something that we change and we don't want to go back to. And that's what Jeremiah is trying to get over. In Jeremiah 29, 13, the Bible says, and you shall seek me and find me. When you shall search for me with all your heart. 
when we shall look for God, when we shall seek God with all our heart. The Bible says that God is a jealous God. You, you know, I, I don't like people not paying attention to me whenever I'm trying to have a conversation with them. It bugs me. And I used to have the problem at school. Thankfully, at Ben's Ford, they don't allow cell phones. So kids can't look at their cell phone while they're talking to me. But whenever somebody's trying to have a conversation with me and I'm trying to talk to them, if they're sitting there playing away on their cell phone, it bugs me. And I've caught myself doing it to other people. And what that is, is, is they're not giving me their full attention. They don't respect me enough for that. Something else is more important. God feels the same way. If we're texting while we're praying to him, while we're talking to him, if we're texting while we're supposed to be giving our time to him, if we have purposed in our heart to give this time to God, to do this for God, and we're sidetracked. I had a guy say one time, I fall asleep when I try to pray. <laughs> we need to talk about your prayer life. If you fall asleep whenever you try to pray, you need to rethink prayer. Giving our time to God, giving our, our, our seeking God with our whole heart is, is not about saying, God, fix this for me. Oh, wait, football game's back. I'll talk to you during the next commercial. That's not seeking God with our whole heart. If we give God commercial breaks, if we give God 30 seconds before each meal, if we give God two minutes at night and two hours on Sunday, that's not seeking God with our whole heart. Prayer is, is seeking God. Prayer is seeking help. Prayer is, is, like we said to begin with, humbling ourselves, knowing that we need help, knowing that we are helpless, knowing that we aren't there, knowing that without God we cannot get there. Whenever we seek God with our whole heart, we have to do it out of faith. Anybody in here ever seen God physically? I've never laid eyes on him, to the best of my knowledge. The Bible says that some men may have entertained angels unaware. But I've never physically, to the best of my knowledge, laid eyes on God. And so in order for me to believe in him, in order for me to, uh, to, in order for me to pray to him, I have to have faith in him. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 24. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you shall receive them and you shall have them. Now that is a whole new kind of faith. When Jesus told his disciples, he said, He said, if, 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 you, if your faith is where it should be, if your faith is where it ought to be, if you had this much faith, you could pray to that mountain, get up and go over yonder, and that mountain would get up and go over there. Now, a lot of times we like to say Jesus was being figurative. But if we say that, we're putting Jesus in a box because he could have done it. He could have done it. Jesus could have told the mountain, hey, get up, go over there, and the mountain would have got up and went over there. We, we like to say, well... That's figurative. No, it's not. We serve a God that's that big. We serve, and there's a song that we was listening to it this morning in class. God is our God is a mountain mover. That's our God. He moves mountains in our lives. He has before. He will again. If we'll believe him. Jesus said in Matthew, He said, When you pray, believe. Believe and you shall receive them. If we pray and, and we're repeating what somebody else said just to be able to fill it. You ever met somebody that prayed just to try to be longer than the person that prayed before them? Churches are full of people like that. Good 10, 15 minute prayer. I was in prayer service one time. It drawn on for about 35, 40 minutes. 
And in just a minute, you heard a snore. I'm not kidding. You heard a snore. And then you heard the man's head hit the pew in front of him. He fell asleep. If we're going to pray to God, we need to purpose in our heart to give that time to God. Whenever someone prays in church, I understand that, that individuals may pray in church. But the purpose of that is for the individual to lead the congregation in a prayer. That's the point behind it. That individual is praying, yes, but that individual is leading the congregation in a prayer. And it must be done out of faith. The fourth condition of a successful prayer life can be found in James chapter 5. He said, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So what does the prayer of the unrighteous man avail? If we're going to pray and we expect our prayer to work, James says we need to be righteous. I know that nobody is perfect. Nobody's going to get there. But we have to have our life right with God. We have to be straight with Him. There can't be something between us. God don't hold a grudge the way people does. But He wants us to ask forgiveness whenever we mess up. And He'll forgive us. He said He'll put our sin as far as the east is from the west. But we've got to ask Him for it. And then He'll wipe He'll wipe it out. He'll bring us back to Him. He'll restore that relationship that we have with Him. The last point can be found in 1 John chapter number 3. And it goes right along with righteousness. And that is obedience. 1 John chapter 3 verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him. Because we keep His commandments. And do those things which are pleasing in His sight. Now I understand that, that we went through a lot tonight, but it all boils down to obedience. It all boils down to being what God wants us to be, living the way God wants us to. It's not easy. It's not near about easy. It's not supposed to be. If our God is going to move mountains for us, does not He deserve our obedience? Does not He deserve our life? Jesus gave His for us. And the Bible says that the best we could do is filthy rags. It's garbage. I want to go through just a few before we close. A few people that had prayers answered throughout the Bible. And I don't expect you to turn. I'm going to read them to you. But just a few that had prayers answered in the Old Testament. There's a lot of examples, especially in the Bible, of where God heard His people pray. If we'll pray to God, He hears us too. We may think, well, 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 let's go ahead and read the first one. Exodus chapter 15, verse 24, And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Verse 25, And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which he had, when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made for them a statue and an ordinance. And there he proved them. 
God provided whenever Moses needed it because Moses obeyed him. Moses sought God with his whole heart. Moses had faith in God. Moses strove to live a righteous life. Moses obeyed God, and God provided for him. A lot of times we see, and I know I've said it before, we see these Old Testament men as being extraordinary people, as being superheroes. I heard a guy say one time, well, if the Hulk was the size of a normal man, he couldn't pick up that much. Well, I've seen people pick up a lot. I've seen people do crazy things. But our God is bigger than that. I've seen people face a lot in life. A lot of problems, a lot of stress. Mentally, physically. God is bigger than all of them. These people came up to water and they couldn't drink it. God told Moses, throw this tree over in there. And all of a sudden they could drink it. You know that tree wasn't a magic tree. Moses had the magic faith. Moses served the God who was bigger than the bitter water. Judges chapter number 6, And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me. And I will speak this but once. Let me prove, I pray thee. But this once with fleece, let it be now. Dry only upon the fleece. And upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. Gideon asked for an answer. And I know we may, we may say, well, he, he was asking for a sign. He was doubting God. Gideon obeyed God. Gideon got his answer. He had faith enough that God would answer him. 1 Samuel chapter 1. We have an account of a woman who prayed for her son. And she said, God, if you'll give me a son, if you'll give me a man child. When he's of age, I'll give him back to you. Down in verse 27, she said, For this child I pray, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. God answers prayers. 1 Samuel chapter 7. Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel because Samuel prayed. That's all it took. Samuel didn't swing a sword. Samuel didn't swing an axe. Samuel didn't Google how to defeat the enemy. Samuel didn't have a big light show. Samuel did not do it. And, and that's, that's the thing that I think that Paul is trying to get to Timothy. Is, is Timothy, you can't do this on your own. Timothy, not only that, he was going, as a, he was going into a church, he was going into the ministry. He said, these people cannot do it on their own. And you can't do it for them. It takes God. It takes God. I can't heal anybody. You can't heal anybody. I had a kid messed up his thumb, a finger at baseball practice, and he come to me and said, Coach, you, you got to fix it. It hurts. I took my knife, and it was kind of bleeding around the side of it. He had a little blood blister popped up. I popped it, squeezed it out, and put a Band-Aid on it. He, he got back to practice. Said, oh, it feels much better. I didn't heal that. I didn't fix that. He could have still hurt. My finger still hurts when I pop a blood blister. I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. God gives us tools. God gives doctors knowledge. 
But God performs the miracles. I read an article one time a couple of years ago in college. Several years ago, I guess. I'm getting old. It was called Everyday Miracles. And I don't remember who wrote it. I probably couldn't find it today if I tried. It was a small article, just a page or two. And it talked about the God, the, the miracles that our God performs every day in our life. You have any idea what God has done for you today? Any idea how many traffic accidents you could have had on the road, but you didn't? How many times you could have not made it, but you did? How many things God kept you from? And, and think about down through the years. At chapel today, the principal was telling about a person that they met in the Walmart parking lot looked homeless and hungry and she said one bad decision can take a person from a good life to a bad life. And it's true. You know how many of those bad decisions God kept us from? You know how many of those bad decisions God helped us through? You ever been reaching for one of those decisions and you, you just feel something? I, I don't need to be here. I, I shouldn't be doing this. Some, something is not right. God takes care of us. And that's everyday miracles. That's not just sometimes. That's not just maybe. It's, it's not just the ones that we pray for. God loves us. And he takes care of us even when we don't ask him to. Even when we don't appreciate him. Even whenever we don't talk to him. He took care of Israel. Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18. He said, hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God. And thou hast turned their heart back again. And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water which was in the trench. I love this story. I love this story. I've never seen fire melt rock before. But that's got to be a hot fire. Not only that, this fire came from the sky. We talked just a couple of weeks ago about how surprised Noah had to have been when it started raining. Or how surprised everybody else would have been when it started raining. How shocked and amazed and in awe do you think that all these prophets of Baal were whenever fire fell from the sky? Do you think they were mind blown? Do you think they were confused? Elijah didn't pray that they were confused, that they were mind blown. He prayed... He prayed that they may know that thou art the Lord God. That's what he prayed. That's what he asked for. And God proved himself. God showed up in a big way. There's a song that says God is in time, on time, every time. And it don't end in time, but God shows up in abundance. If it was up to Elijah... The fire from heaven would have just cooked the sacrifice, burned up the burnt offering and been done. God said, no, I'm proving myself. I'm proving the God of Israel. And he licked up the water. He burned the stones and the dust. I'm a science teacher. Dirt don't burn. Dirt don't burn. I've tried. It don't work. You want to put out a fire? Kick dirt on it. Works every time. Dirt does not burn. This dirt did. Rocks don't burn. They just don't burn. If a house burns down, chances are the chimney is still standing. These did. 
God showed up. And God showed up in abundance. We don't have time. We're going to read Hezekiah, Jehoshaphat, Zacharias. We're going to skip down to the New Testament. Acts in chapter 4. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken that they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. This afternoon, I want to introduce to you the power of prayer. How much it matters. How much it counts. How much it's, it's not about repeating what somebody said. It's not about using eloquent language. It's not about the other day me and Emily was in the living room and, and she used this big word. And I'm like, holy smokes, look at your vocabulary. And she said, oh, my, my, my vocabulary is boisterous. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I appreciate a good vocabulary. And she, she spit off like five or six big words right there together. I'm like, yes, I married you for your brain. She did. She spit off a bunch of vocabulary words. But if we try to use a big vocabulary to impress the people in the church while we're praying, we need to stop thinking about, we need to start thinking about what we're praying for, why we're praying, who we're praying to. We're not trying to impress somebody with vocabulary where God knows the words that we know. He knows every one of them. We're not going to surprise God. It's not going to happen. The new words has been invented since Jesus walked this earth. Guess what? God knows what they are. We're not going to shock him. We're not going to impress him. We're not praying to, to figure out who can say the best and who can do it without stuttering and who can do it without crying and who can do it the longest and who can do it the shortest and, and who can just have the best prayer. That is not the purpose of praying. We pray to an almighty God to communicate with him our heart. That is why we pray. And whatever we do, we do so from a repentant heart, from a heart seeking and searching for God, from a heart of faith, from a heart of righteousness, from a heart of obedience. And we pray to a God who listens. We pray to a God who's paying attention. And we pray to a God who can change things in our life. He can change our life. He can change those around us. He can change it all. We pray to a God of miracles. And we'll just never, ever forget that. Oh, we'll have a verse for song. <laughs>